want to get Trujet. She works on our staff, and she has a breathtakingly wonderful report. Give her a big hand. So what happened to you, Trujet? Um, so I was experiencing a lot of symptoms. My muscles were going weak. I was having difficulty um, going upstairs and just doing simple things. And then it started progressing, and I got a rash on my hand. And then it started spreading to the point where it was open sores, and they were just really hard to bend and um, just a lot of difficulty. And so finally I got diagnosed with an autoimmune um, disease, and it was literally eating away at my muscles at a rapid rate, eating away at my skin. My skin was dying, and um, I got to the place where my family had to help me with just simple things, you know, buttoning a button, putting on my clothes, putting on my shoes, you know, my, my kids would help get me out the door and I'd still be going to work, you know, and I'd be in excruciating pain. So I felt like somebody stabbing you with knives and pins and needles being stuck in you and sandpaper all at the same time. So it was just really, really difficult. And so in the middle of it, you know, we're standing in faith, we're believing, we're praying, we're, you know, seeking God for different things to do, and he brought people along our path to help us, and um, it just, it was just really difficult, and it got really to the point, like in February, where I just thought, I'm ready to go home, I'm, I'm done, I'm tired, you know, the pain was just so bad, but in the middle of it, we saw God's grace, and just that scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, where it says that his grace is abounding and grace and grace and more grace. Well, every day we saw a new facet of God's grace and a new facet of his character. And our friends stood with us and they took us to doctor's appointments. Our kids stood with us and I'm, I could move. <laughs> At one point in time, the doctor said, um, we thought for sure we were going to have to amputate your fingers because everything was just dead. There was no circulation. They, were, they, were, they looked like death. You know, and every day we, we would stand and we'd say, God, your word says that we have a covenant with you. We have a right to be healed, to be whole, to stand in health. And we just walked every day believing, even though we didn't see anything happening quickly, as quick as I would have liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every day, God got me up. He got us out the door. We came to work. We smiled. We, we believed God. We sewed. We, uh, you know, we did, we did what we knew today, what to do. And every day we saw God work. And then slowly but surely, things started getting better, and we started rejoicing over the things that were working instead of looking at wasn't working, oh, what wasn't good, working. Yeah. So some days I just feel the Lord, I, I thank you that my, my pinky toe is not hurting. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just thank you that, you know, I, I, I just find anything I can think of that was, was working, you know, and at that moment, there wasn't a lot working, but I, I believe God for something, yeah. you know, every day. Okay, I just, I, I thank you that I at least got up because there were some days I wasn't sure if I was going to get up in the morning. 
there were some days where I just thought I'd just I'd sit and even just turning a key to get into the car or to do something, I would have to believe God by faith to be able to do it. Wow. <laughs> and so, but, but look, I, I can move, I can stand, and God is good. Wonderful. Yeah, her hands, she had to wear gloves for a while. They were, they were rough, and uh, she's like a hand model again, so... Oh. The doctors were like, just, they were, they just kept saying, you know, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And I'd, I'd go and, and at one point in time, right before they said, you know, we're going to have to amputate your fingers. Um, I told them I walked in that appointment and I said, that's okay. You could look at this. But when I come back, I'm going to be a hand model because the Lord is going to do something great. Oh, and they just kind of looked at me like... So you are, today you are a hand model. Today you are a hand model. And the doctor said, she looked at me and she said, it is medically impossible to have the kind of turnaround that you have. The only thing we can explain is that it is a miracle. And then my other doctor that's not even saved, she's just like, I, I, I don't I don't know what to say. I don't I don't know what to say. She just she just kept saying it. I I don't know what to say. Is Dr. Cindy in the service? She usually comes to the first service. She said that this was a significant testimony for her. Was it her partner in the office? Yeah. So um, the day that I I'd gone in one day and she had a guy that was shadowing her. And he's into all kinds of religion, all kind of, you know, Chinese medicine and just all kinds of things. And, and so he was really good because there were some things he was able to do. And so she's like, looked at him and she's like, you don't understand. She goes, this, this is a miracle that she's come this far. And I still wasn't, I still wasn't at the point where I could move my fingers or, or that kind of thing. But, you know, he just kept looking because he's like, why, why are you smiling? <laughs> you know, why, why, are you, why are you happy? And, and so we left the appointment, and then later on, she was able to tell him, she goes, this is Jesus. And she goes, there's no medical reason why she should be even alive, why she should be able to smile, why she should be able to go through what she's going through except for Jesus. Wow. So whatever you're going through, it's not impossible. And the name of Jesus is greater and higher. Yes. And if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for anybody. Wow. Let's give a big hand of appreciation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That God is your God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want you to turn and look at someone and tell them there's breakthrough for you in the next few months. I appreciate what Trije and Chet, they just got up and kept doing their work, raising their kids, fighting. She had to fend off depression and fear. God brought her through. You know, God will get us through stuff. He's our deliverer. We're not just talking about it. It's substantial. We believe this. One time somebody mocked me out in public, made fun of me, and I said, it's real for me. And he, you know, he backed off. It's like, you can mock me if you want, but this is real for me. Mock all you want. Scoff all you want. I'm, belie I'm a believer. God's faithful. 
and uh, we're going to go right into a breakthrough. We're going to have breakthrough. Breakthrough. What is breakthrough? Breakthrough is getting uh, an advancement, having a, an achievement, an instance of achieving success in a particular sphere of activity, a step forward. I used to think of all the movies. There was a period of time where there were uh, movies where the cowboys always ended up in quicksand. Every movie had a quicksand se segment. And Merle was in the quicksand, and Clem was over there with his pack horse, and he would throw a rope and pull him out, you know. And that was a relief for me as a kid. And I thought, when I, I grew up in California where there's sand at the beach, sand of the desert, I just kept wondering, where is the quicksand, you know? <laughs> and uh, God delivered me, apparently, from all the quicksand. I actually don't have a quicksand testimony. I have a lot of other testimonies. But I have upon good authority that God is the master of the breakthrough. He's present to help in the time of need. He is good. In fact, the Bible says the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Let's say that three times. Say it. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Say it from your heart. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. His mercy in the Hebrew is hesed, and uh, it goes beyond mercy, goes beyond loving kindness. Those words are the English words to try to describe actually a deeper, very, very deep Hebrew thought, which is God's obligatory loyal love. Everybody say obligatory loyal love. Can we believe and understand the idea that God obligates himself to us? He doesn't have to, but this is his nature. He can't lie. He's faithful, impeccably so, trustworthy on the levels we cannot even fathom. His faithfulness, it re reaches beyond the skies. It's inestimable, but we need to understand it in order to be stabilized by it. Listen, I... I heard my dad say this in an argument with my mother. He had been through a divorce. She had been through a divorce. They were in their second marriage, and they were having a hard time. I was a teenager. I think I was part of the hard time. But anyway, they were having a hard time. And, uh, you know, she came in and said, are you going to stay with my, me or are you going to go with him? And that kind of thing, you know, that, which a lot of people have dealt with. And I overheard him in the kitchen. She said, are you going to leave? And he said, no, because I've made promises. And I heard that as a young kid. I thought, wow. That's deep, because nothing else is holding this moment together. The emotions are bad. There's polarity. There's no romance. There's strife. It's bad. It's cold. It's dark. Yet, something held them together. Obligatory loyal love, a covenant, a commitment. They had been through the blowout before. They didn't want to have that happen again. And listen, God is committed to his word. He is committed to his body, the church. The bridegroom is deeply invested in the bride. In fact, in Ephesians 5, the pattern is we husbands are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. I'm telling you, when I got married, there was a blowout amongst leadership. So we didn't have good counsel. We didn't have good pastoring. We didn't have good help. We didn't get support from our families. We were literally winging it. And, and, but what yet we weren't because God's obligatory loyal love was coming in and helping us, even though we were young, even though we were inexperienced, yet God was modeling something. He said, hey, listen, man, 
what you get into, realize you're making a covenant. You're making vows. I only have made two vows, one to God and one to my wife. I, the Bible says not to make a lot of vows. Because I knew that, God, once I do this, I'm in. I'm all in. Everybody say, I'm all in. God is all in toward us. You know, we're the fluctuating entities. All we like sheep have gone astray. Yet God is his permanence, his trustworthiness, his reliability, his steadfast love, his faithfulness. I love what Jeremiah said in Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That is like multiple layers of solidity. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And I like this too. They are new every morning. <laughs> Sorrow may last for the evening, but joy comes in the morning. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. God had all of you, us in mind when he said sunrise, sunset. You know, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So forget the past and press on to what lies ahead. Okay, that's my introduction. Here's what I want to talk about in terms of breakthrough. How will you and I know we've had an instance of achieving success in an area if we don't write it down and have some sort of goal? How do you know when you're doing archery that you're hitting the bullseye unless you have a target you're aiming at? My kids, I wanted to see them raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So that was my target. So then it's like, keep them in church. Speak the word to them. Be real in your faith. Live it out genuinely. If you fail, repent in front of them. Humble yourself. Discipline them while there's hope. Put them in, a, in our case, we put them in Christian school, then uh, the Abeka program, then, then tutoring, and then eventually we wean them and put them into public school in order that they would be you know, ready for the world and go out there and make a difference. Hallelujah. So, you know, I have a vision for our church that, you know, God will walk this thing out and be available to you when you ever you want to do something in, uh, uh, that's expressingly unique to us. We want to be faithful to you and the general things want to just walk as individuals before you and understanding that we all are contributors. We're all participants. We're part of a body. We have an identity for that. We're all in this together. And just in case you may want to do something of a movement and God, by your grace, we will have been practicing on the dailies of life and the little things, faithful in the little things, in order that we can flow and yield to you and not quench your spirit, not try to manufacture stuff, not get all hyped up, not pull back and reserve, but be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to go to Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk is an amazing moment in Jewish history. He's a He's a Hebrew follower of God, and he is doing what the Bible says to do. He's seeking the Lord. He's praying about things. He's going into what Jesus would later say, the prayer closet only. In his case, he called it the guard post or the rampart. What it is is it's this intentional, deliberate moment of looking unto God, seeking God. This, you're doing it in a measure today. We're doing it as a collective, as a church. We're here collectively seeking the Lord. We're worshiping God. We're in the word. You know, as a pastor, I'm endeavoring to minister God's word to you today. And I believe the word here is, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me 
and how I may reply when I am reproved. What this tells us to do is to maintain the watchfulness of 1 John 3, 1 through 3. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us. Keep your eyes on him. See, watch, look. Seek the Lord. Look to him. That whole amazing three-point message from Jesus. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Then he, he reiterates it again. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and him who knocks the door will be open. We saw the door of faith open to the, Gentile, to the Gentiles for Paul. That was a big deal to him. Doors of opportunity will open up. A great door of effective services opened to me, Paul said, in Ephesus. And there are many adversaries. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 said that John at Patmos was to look up and he saw an open door in heaven. And the Lord basically said to him, walk in it. And as you walk in it, it will be shown you what you will do, must do. Joshua said, we've never passed this way before. This is the life of faith, you guys. This is what we're living. It's as fresh now as ever. Jesus is as resurrected as he's ever been. Present as he's ever been. The Holy Spirit is poured out as much as he's ever been. The word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword as it's ever been. Your Christian life has as much hope as it's ever had. Your dream and vision and call that God has on your life can be repurposed and can come to pass. You can dust off the old stuff and believe God and stir up the kindle afresh the gift that's in you. That's what Paul told Timothy. Don't let the treasure in your life be stolen. Stir up and treasure that gift on the inside of you, that potential that God has put in your life. I'm quoting Proverbs chapter 29. We'll go back to that. Hold your place in Habakkuk. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 in the Amplified Bible says it this way. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. The New American Standard said where there is no vision, the people run unrestrained. I mean, when I was a kid, I was so stupid. I would take my bow and arrow that my parents bought me, fiberglass recurve bow and little cheap arrows, but they were dangerous. Well, we would go back there, and we'd shoot the arrows, and we'd stand there and see who would flinch. <laughs> don't do that. Don't try that. Kids, don't do that. Adults, don't do that. Everybody say, that was stupid, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> I know. But it's also stupid just to flail your life and just live unrestrained. It's like, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we perish. There's a mentality. If, if tomorrow we perish and there is no God, then why don't we just live in just this whatever will be, will be mentality? That's not the calling on a believer's life. We have beliefs. We believe there is a God. We believe he has likes and dislikes. He has commandments, not just suggestions. And his commandments are good. They're easy in the New Testament. We could actually live them because Jesus gets on the inside of us. He empowers us by the Holy Spirit. He watches over his word to perform it. What he calls you to do, he will equip you for. And the Holy Spirit will see to it that your, your calling is fulfilled by the end of your life. It's my intent to see each one of you in your last breath praise and rejoice and thank God that he brought you through so many battles and so many trials. The testimony, for example, on this dear lady is significant. I watched her through the terrible degradation of, of, of her systems. 
I heard in the news that autoimmune disease is up by like such a phenomenal percent. Nobody really understands why. Well, the Bible talks about all the wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, nakedness, all the upset and upheaval. So that's why we run toward God and not away from him. And we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I cast my burden upon the Lord and he will sustain me. I cast my cares upon the Lord because he cares for me. Does he really care for you? Yes, he really cares for you. Now you got me rapping. Does he really care for you? Yes, he really cares for you. Man, I just felt like Eminem. Does he really care for you? Yes, he really cares for you. Oh, man, I'm getting, I'm getting more into this than you are for sure. I'm preaching myself happy. Look at this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But then it says in the next part, but he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, and fortunate, and enviable is he. What this really means is it's in a negative. You don't have a vision, you perish. You run unrestrained. But with a vision, a recorded, simple, boiled down target, you'll then have a goalpost to know when you get the touchdown. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Write goals for your career, your finances, your education, your physical fitness, your community charity involvement, personal goals, even leisure goals. Even when you approach rest, labor to enter in the rest. We've had to prepare for vacations. We have a lot of responsibilities, so it gets up in our head. We carry it 24 hours a day. We've never figured out how to not have it going 24 hours a day. Our kids all see it. It's just part of what we do. It's probably not the very best. However, there have been times when we tried to approach a vacation and we couldn't do it because we had to do this and 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 this. And there were, a lot of times we'd delegate, it would come back to us, it would go back to us, and, and we'd have to do it again. So we'd, we, we'd be, so we just, let's tackle this paperwork. Let's make this decision. Let's take this time and let's get this all done. And we reached a point where it's like, okay, we've labored to enter into the rest. I've heard that observant Jewish people do this right before the Sabbath. There's a motivation to get things done because they're going to enter into rest. And then they're not going to have any activity because God admonished them to have a day of rest. And I've watched it in Israel. I've watched it with the, the observant Orthodox Jewish people down the street here where they walk to the temple. There's a thing God taught and the thing God's teaching that not only do we have goals for I'm believing God to save some money. Like you may think, I want to I retire with a million dollars. So start to save so many dollars per month. You know, start something and say, okay, let's get a reasonable goal on. This is my big target. So this is how I, I want to increase my giving. So I'm going to, okay, I'm going to tithe and I'm going to give over and above. And this is what I'm, I'm not just going to throw it out in theory. I'm going to, this, I'm going to get a, I'm going to write down the strategy and record the vision. It says, God answered me and said, record the vision. Chapter 2, verse 2 of Habakkuk, write down the vision, record the vision, and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. If I was a single mother, and I had a boy, and the boy's dad lived in another town, I'd try to do my best no matter how ac uh, acrimonious the break was, I'd try to 
and reinforce the relationship, but I'd also immerse my son in an environment where they're godly brothers that would be a good example. And I'd get them in church. If I had a kid that went wayward, I would get on my face, fast and pray, and believe God that laborers would cross their path, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, they'd be delivered from temptation, the devil would get off their case, and the light would come. If I lived in a country that was becoming polarized, I would be believing God for peace to come in and God's will to come to pass. If I lived in a place like St. Louis, Missouri, I would believe God for it to become a praise in the earth. I'd be interested in believing God for the purposes of God to come to pass. If I even bothered to care about the people around me, I would be believing God for breakthrough. Every time I come in here to preach, I trust God that he'll take what I say and it'll apply some way to you personally. Because I know that the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Jesus is your shepherd. The word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And I'm really believing God this resonates for you. It's not just like we're just stimulated in a church service, but we really get something out of it. He's the good shepherd and he supplies and he gives us richly all things to enjoy and he orders our steps and he has a plan for our lives that's why we submit our agendas to him and we say god not my will your will be done we don't get into all these vain imaginations and all these head trips we submit to the lord but man then we believe god father i release my faith for your supernatural plans to come to pass in the immediate trije was just believing god she wouldn't lose her fingers at a certain point, she, and I didn't know this, but she got so down, she just got so tired, she just wanted to go home and be with the Lord. The electromagnetic current draw to heaven becomes very big for people. And sometimes we've lost people, and it's like, oh, man, but they didn't lose. They're present with the Lord. And sometimes that electromagnetic thing, I think, at a certain point, a believer's like, I'm in a straight betwixt two. You know, having a desire to depart and be with the Lord, which is much better, but to be, remain here, I have more things to do. I, at this point in my life, I realize all the lingering moments of my life are for duty. I have apparently things God wants me to do. While there's life and breath in me, I might as well just believe God for his purposes to come to pass. And while we're here as a church body, we might as well throw in, you know, our hat into the ring and say, I'm, I, I'm all in. Everybody say all in. So I believe in God for his purposes to come to pass. I believe in God for some quantum leaps, for some steps in the right direction, for some success, for some breakthrough, for some things that have oppressed you to break off of your life and never to attach again. I noticed the testimony of the lady that the thing was stubborn. We love instantaneous things. We're in America, man. We want it fast. A microwave oven, push the fast button. We want to go through the fast food, fast line. There's even a place across the street, it's closed on Sunday, but it has two lanes, but it doesn't have two lanes. It's two lanes and you go back to one lane. One lane, two lanes. What? I like it though when the young people are out there with the headsets and the, you know, as, as like there's hope, but then you still have to go through the eye of the needle. I want it now. This took one minute and 30 seconds. Do you know in the ancient days, they had to actually hunt for their food, drag it back, skin it, 
do their own butchering, light up the fire with sticks, not matches. They didn't have teriyaki. And they had to cook it up when it happened. It took four days. That was fast food. They go, we're doing pretty good. You know, the, the hunter-gatherer would be like, that took me four days, ladies. It's like, whoa, yeah, you are hot. I got to have it now. Give me, give me, I, I, me, me, mine. Now, 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 now. We've got to adjust and actually believe God that as our life, our lives are taken on steps into the next level, and we need to understand it requires adamant, bold faith, breaking out, willingness to get unstuck. Say, I'm going to get unstuck. You've got to let go and just let go of your anxieties, cast your cares on the Lord, trying to pull everything together in your own power and just say, God, I am going to trust you. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. We've got to step up. Got to step up. God has a dream for us, and it's going to require some vulnerability. It's going to require some, you know what, God, you can teach, in this case, you can teach an old dog new tricks. I'm willing to learn. Everybody say, I'm a life learner. At 85 years old on his birthday, Caleb said, can I have this mountain where the giants are? Because maybe God will let me win in this battle of these giants that have invaded Hebron. And he ran all those giants off of Hebron. There's no place later on where it's recorded that the giants ever lived there again. That's where they buried, I think they buried Abraham, and some great things were accomplished there. David came along. We hear about David with Goliath, but actually the precedence was long before. The giant slayers have been going on throughout the whole Bible from the very beginning in Exodus when they left the oppression of Egypt. God said, I'm going to send you to a land of milk and honey to a promised land. God has one for you as an individual. God has one for us as a church body. God has one for us in our season and generation. God knew you'd be in a retirement age. God knew you'd be a middle-aged person. God knew you'd be at entry level as a teenager right now. And God has each one of us all purposed for his plans. He has plans for welfare and not calamity to give us a future and a hope. Habakkuk obeyed and cooperated and wrote down the vision. Record the vision, make it plain on tablets, so the one that reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. The vision is yet for the appointed time. The vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come, it will not delay. I see the social maladies you do. I watch the news you watch. I feel the shifting you feel. But what's factored into my spirit overrides all of the conviction, worry, and fear. I know that ultimately God has a plan for welfare and not calamity to give us a future and a hope. He has plans for the church that he's coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. He said, I will build my church, which is his prize that he paid for with his own blood. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, so we are realistic here. And yet the Lord will deliver them out of them all. I pray this over every sector of society. And I am believing God for great things. Let's all stand up on our feet. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Have some time. Turn off your phone. And let it just sit there. 
and shut up. Then get alone with God and begin to pray. Go into your father who's in secret and talk to him. Work it out, settle in, realize you are invited upon invitation. He's drawn you to not the throne of judgment, but the throne of grace. Important. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Keep that in you, young people. Keep that in your spirit. It's not cheap or light. It costs Jesus everything so that we could have right standing with God. So say, God, you know, <laughs> I don't have a righteousness of my own. Fortunately, you haven't set this up in some sort of a performance basis or I would fail. But Jesus, you performed your act of righteousness and you've imparted this gift. So you've accepted me and the beloved and I'm thankful. As far as my behavior goes, I repent of the, all these 50,000 things. Now I thank you and you mean it for forgiveness and I receive your mercy. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. We settle in on that and then we stand and bombard all the weirdness with faith. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, the devil has to take his hands off of this. He comes at me one way, he has to flee from me seven. I thank you, Lord, for the supernatural touch of the Holy Spirit, the, the, where the, the, the fowls of the air try to steal the seed. You're just going to have to go. And I stand on the promises of God by faith. And I, that God is my God. Some of you may be dealing with some symptoms. Trajet might be your marker. Hey, that God is my God. And I trust God for what he did in her life. I, I don't have that issue, but I have other issues and that God will take care of my issues. So I pray you're able to think about some strategic things for the next three months. Target a few points and be practical about it. Boil it down, make sure it's scriptural, make sure it's something you prayed over and then begin to trust God. God, I pray today I'm able to minister to somebody that's, on, uh, that, that's desperate, somebody that's needy, somebody that's, 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 that's hope, hopeless. God, lead and order my steps. I'll close with a story. Taylor's wife, Meg, had talked about going to lunch with Chelsea once, and they were getting ready to go to a place, and she said, Chelsea said, hey, Megan, let's pray about where we should go to lunch. And Megan said, I, I didn't really think to do that. She said, Chelsea prayed. And then she went to lunch with her, and sure enough, God had such amazing stuff laid out to minister to certain people and to have, uh, Megan, it was Megan's observation that because of that prayer, not just, it could be for Trajay or you or me or anybody, we could actually have our steps be ordered by the Lord. My goal today is to lift somebody, help somebody, bring healing to somebody, get the gospel to somebody, cause a lost soul to come into the kingdom of God. Pray big prayers, dream big dreams, believe God. Say this with me, with God, all things are possible. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I want you to turn to somebody and say, you are destined for breakthrough.